Once Upon a Time is right now here on Fable City Radio with your host, Martha Whitehouse. Tonight on Fable City Radio, we will be exploring the story of the Goose Girl at the Well by the Brothers Grimm, published in their book Children's and Household Tales in 1812. This type of story is often described as a love-like salt story. In the study of folk and fairy tales, there is a numbering system, and love-like salt stories fall into categories 923 and 510. This theme describes a story where um, a demanding adult, usually a father, uh, demands that his child, usually a daughter, declare their love for him in some concrete way. Other stories that follow this convention are the English fairy tales Cap O' Rushes and Sugar and Salt, the French fairy tale The Dirty Shepherdess, and the German stories As Dear as Salt and The Most Indispensable Thing. There's also an Austrian story called The Necessity of Salt and three Italian stories, The Value of Salt, Like Good Salt, and Water and Salt. And also from Pakistan and India, respectively, the king and his daughters, and the princess who loved her father like salt. Wow, that's a lot of salty titles. The same theme also appears in Shakespeare's play King Lear, played out as a conversation between King Lear and his daughters Goneril, Regan, and Cordelia. The Goose Girl at the Well explores the notion that parental demands of fealty and declarations of love that can only be described in these very concrete terms can be unfair and even lead to cruel consequences for the children. It also admonishes the reader not to judge a book by its cover. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my version of The Goose Girl at the Well. Once upon a time, there was an old woman who lived on a wild plot of land surrounded by an immense forest. She lived in a small house and tended geese that she was so fond of that she loved them like they were her own children. Every day she would leave her home and go into the woods where she would gather fruits and berries, gather firewood, and pick grasses for her geese. She would load all of those things in great bundles and hoist them onto her skinny back. She hauled everything back to her house all by herself. Anyone who saw her would think that there was no way such an old bent woman would be able to carry such huge loads. And rumors began to spread that she was an evil witch, even though she was always courteous and she greeted everyone warmly. Parents warned their children not to go near the old woman and taught them that they should never speak to her under any circumstances. One of those children was a wealthy young count who grew up to be a very handsome man. One day, when he was walking in the forest, he came upon the old woman preparing to hoist a heavy load on her back. He remembered the warnings of his father to fear her as a witch, but she looked so old and fragile that he took pity upon her. Are you going to carry that heavy load all by yourself, old mother? 
he asked. Those apples and pears look heavy. You've cut quite a quantity of grass and wood as well. It's not so great a weight, young man. Every person must be willing and able to carry their own burdens, don't you think? Still, it is heavy, said the young man. Would you perhaps be willing to help me? said the old woman. I don't live too far away, just over that rise and behind those trees. I would greatly appreciate your help. The young man wasn't that enthusiastic about carrying the heavy load, but he didn't want to admit that such a load was too much for him to carry when the little old woman in front of him was so willing to shoulder the burden herself. So he let her help him hoist the pack onto his back. It was so heavy that he thought his legs might give out under the weight. Lead the way, he grunted as he struggled to stand up. It's not very far, is it? No more than nine miles, said the old woman, grinning. Just follow me. Nine miles, exclaimed the young man. I had no idea it was so far. I'm afraid I can't help you. He tried to remove the pack on his back while making his excuses. I'm sorry I can't help you, but uh, uh, my father, he's expecting me home and nine miles will take too long. He was panting for breath as he struggled with the load, but twist and turn as he might, he was unable to remove the pack from his back. Now, now, said the old woman, it's not so far, and you are young and strong. Now step sharply, or you'll lose your way. Unable to put the old woman's burden down, the young man trudged after her his legs straining and quivering with every step. His back also began to ache, so he started complaining. This load is too heavy. I must put it down, he said. I had no idea it was so far to go. It's not so much further, said the old woman. You wouldn't want to back out on me now, would you? I will give you a present when we get to my home to make it worth your while. Just keep walking before things get worse. Worse, the young man exclaimed. This load couldn't possibly be any heavier. Just as he said this, the old woman leapt nimbly to the top of the bundle on his back, perched there, and started whipping him on his legs. What are you doing? cried the young man. Ow, that hurts. I must stop. The old woman paid no attention to his cries. She just added to his burden and directed him where to walk, all the while slapping at the back of his legs with her long cane. After what felt like an eternity to the young man, they came to the old woman's house. Her geese ran out to greet her, and as she hopped down to caress them, the young man found that he could finally put down the heavy load. And breathing heavily, he sat down on a little stone bench to rest. The geese were honking loudly as they greeted the old woman, and soon another woman appeared at the front door of the little house and moved to greet them. The young man caught sight of her as he rubbed his aching back with both hands. She was a big, rough countrywoman, with a face so plain and stern that he thought he might be able to chop a tree down with it. The unattractive woman ran to the old lady and embraced her warmly. 
I am so glad you are home, mother, she said. I am happy to be so, daughter. Now run back to the house and attend to your geese and your cooking duties. The younger woman curtsied and returned to the small house. I know you are jealous that I get to live with her, said the old woman to the young count. But don't fret, perhaps you'll get to marry her one day. The young man, not wanting to be impolite, said nothing, but thought to himself, that will be a rare day when I marry such a charmless aging spinster. He shuddered at the thought. The old woman invited him into her house to receive his gift, and he followed her in spite of his misgivings. Once inside, the old woman opened a drawer in a large apothecary cabinet and removed a small book made out of a single giant emerald. This will bring you more valuable things than any other item you've ever possessed, she said. So keep it safe and use it when you think best. Now you must leave me to my home and to my work. The young count left the house, not quite sure about how to find his way home. He wandered for days, but couldn't find a familiar path back to his father's house. Eventually, the count found himself in a strange town, in a kingdom he was unfamiliar with. He told a courtier he met on the street who he was, and he was brought before the king and queen at their palace. He bowed low, and remembering the emerald book the old woman gave him, he held it out and offered it to the queen. She took it from his hand, admiring its beauty. But when she opened it, she fell immediately upon the floor as if she were dead. The king's men seized the count, and the king ordered him locked up because he thought the young man had killed the queen. After the count was led away, the queen regained her senses and ordered the count released from prison and brought to her for a private audience. I'm sorry about how you were treated, she told him, but when I opened the emerald book, I found a single pearl inside, so I must tell you this story. We have three daughters, and three years ago the king brought our daughters before him and told them he wanted to find out which of them loved him best. He demanded that they tell him how they loved him in real ways. My eldest daughter said, Father, I love you more than the sweetest sugar. My middle child said, Father, I love you more than my favorite ball gown. My youngest is more beautiful than any princess you have ever seen, and she loved her father deeply, but she didn't know what to say. The king asked her again, insisting that she tell him in definite terms how much she loved him. So she said, Dearest father, if food always wants salt before it can taste good, I love you more than salt. My husband became very vexed by this answer and very angry at being compared to salt, and he told her that if she loved salt so much, he would happily make her wishes come true. He ordered his estate be divided between our oldest daughters, disowning my beautiful youngest child, a daughter so beautiful that even when she cried, tears of pure pearl fell from her eyes. He ordered his men to tie a bag of salt to my precious daughter's back, and he had her marched into the deepest part of the forest to be abandoned there. 
My poor child wept so hard that she left a trail of lustrous pearls all the way into the forest. Everyone begged my husband to spare her, but he would not hear of it. A month later, he came to regret his decision and sent men to the forest to search for her, but there is no trace she had ever been there. We have been despairing her fate for the last three years. When I opened your gift and saw the pearl, I recognized it as exactly the type that always fell from her eyes. Now you must tell me how you came by this book so we can search for my precious child. The young count told her everything about the old woman, whom he described as probably a witch, her house, her geese, and her ugly daughter. The king joined them and listened to the story, hanging his head in shame. But when he had gathered his feelings, he said, From this day forth, I renounce my kingdom until I can find my daughter and beg her forgiveness. I must go and search for her. The queen said that she would go as well, and the count, moved deeply by the king's words, said, I will accompany you and help you find the old woman's house. He was half afraid that the old woman, being a witch, might have already eaten the poor daughter, but he decided to say nothing. The king and queen made preparation to leave that very night, and with the count leading the way, they slipped into the forest. After walking for a while, the king and queen became tired and begged a rest. He walked to the top of a small rise and climbed a tree so that he could see more of the landscape. Looking down, he saw a well in a clearing brightly lit by the moonlight. As he watched, he saw the ugly woman he had seen at the old lady's house approaching the well. She took off her scarf, and then the Count was startled when he saw her pull off her face as if it were a mask and step out of her ungainly body as if it were a suit of clothes. As she splashed her face with water from the well, the Count could see that the woman was actually a beautiful young woman with long hair that shined silver in the moonlight. He shimmied farther out on the branch of the tree to get a better look, but the bough snapped beneath him and he went crashing to the ground. At the sudden sound, the girl at the well jumped back into her false skin and disappeared as the moon ducked behind a cloud. The Count dusted himself off and hurried to get the king and queen. He knew where he was now, and he led them to the old woman's house without difficulty, telling them what he had seen while they walked. Back at the old woman's house, the girl, still hidden inside the skin of the unattractive woman, entered the house to find the old woman spinning at her wheel. She started to speak, but the old woman said, Don't speak, child. I already know what it is you want to tell me. Now go into your room, remove your disguise, brush your shining hair, and put back on the dress you were wearing when I first met you. My time with you here is running short, and I want you to look your best for what comes next. Stay in your room until I call you. The girl tried to ask questions, but the old woman was firm, so she went to her room to get ready. The old woman carefully cleaned the entire house from top to bottom in the twinkle of an eye and went back to her spinning. Hours later, she heard a knock upon her door. She opened it and found the count, the king, and the queen standing on her doorstep. Say nothing, she said, for I know why you are here. 
You come to take that which you threw away so callously three years ago, a beautiful and loving child who did nothing wrong except try to tell you how much she loved you. She looked hard at the king, who hung his head in shame. But he said, All that you say is true, but I do love my daughter. We have given up my kingdom to come and find her. So you have, but I don't think that you will want for anything, as your remorse seems genuine. Your daughter cried so much when she came here that I have collected a bushel of the most precious pearls that fell from her beautiful eyes, and I have kept them for her. For this very day, I think they might make a very fine dowry, she said, looking pointedly at the young count. I am also leaving your daughter my house, so you'll all have some place to stay. With that, she called the young princess out of her room, and when she emerged, she ran to her parents and fell on them, hugging the breath out of them, and everyone wept with joy. Goodbye, dear daughter said the old woman, and she disappeared in the wink of an eye. The moment she did so, the floors and walls of the little cottage started moving and changing, and a giant palace full of servants grew up in its place. A large banquet table was set out, and servants ran to and fro delivering delicious food. The rest of the story? Well, I may have forgotten a few things, for it was my grandmother who told me this story but I'm pretty sure that the old woman was not a witch, but instead she was simply a wise woman who knew the value of love, and she collected people who needed her help and used her magic to keep them safe. I also seem to remember that the handsome count married the beautiful princess, and they all lived happily ever after. The End I hope you enjoyed The Goose Girl at the Well. I chose to explore this story because it is a good example of the love-like-salt type of fairy tale. Before the story, I mentioned the titles of a number of stories that were written on this same theme. One thing I've learned about fairy tales is that repetition and popularity are important. When a story theme remains popular across thousands of years and across many different continents and throughout different civilizations, you can be sure that the basic message of that story resonates with readers and listeners for some fundamental reason. As we each deal with our own issues in life, there's something comforting about knowing that human beings have been wrestling for years with the same things. One of those themes in The Goose Girl at the Well involves the difficulties we encounter when we try to help others. There are times when we are moved to help people, just like the young count is moved to help someone he views as a fragile old woman. But sometimes when we make the offer, we bite off more than we can chew. And as the young count discovers, sometimes the person we are trying to help makes giving the help very difficult. My favorite examples are when people advertise for a childcare provider that they insist must be willing to work 10 or more hours a day, have a graduate degree, be willing to do housework, and be certified to deliver CPR, but the salary listed amounts to less than $4 an hour or worse. 
If you are only paying $4 an hour for childcare, you are basically begging for help, but you are also asking that the babysitter be qualified for a job that would pay much more than that. Sometimes people asking for help virtually jump on your back, adding to the burden you agreed to carry. The story also hints that we should be prepared to follow through on our offers to help others, or else we might face some difficult situations. The young Count has a lot of complaints, but he is amply rewarded for his efforts in ways he could never have imagined. Another issue tackled in the story is raising the question about the fairness of parental demands for declarations of love and fealty and how they can sometimes lead to cruel outcomes. The king isn't satisfied with just having loving daughters. He requires them to declare their love in a way that makes sense to him. This is a fundamentally unfair request. You can't demand that someone spells out their love for you in concrete terms that align only with your idea of what an acceptable way to express love is. People show their love in different ways, and when the youngest princess declares her love, she expresses that in her own love language. Salt is an important elemental seasoning, so by comparing her love for her father to salt, she is saying exactly how important he is to her. The king interprets her choice of words as an insult and believes that she is comparing him to a common low-value household item, and he becomes very angry. The story also exhorts us not to be fooled by appearances and superficial concerns. The old lady and her daughter's appearances are misleading. Neither of them is who they appear to be. I think that The Goose Girl at the Well also warns against taking rash actions. The, the king condemns his daughter over a single word. And I think that the main reason there are so many love-like salt-themed stories is because salt is the perfect metaphor for the most basic elements of our lives, like love and relationships. This story stresses the importance of accepting people as they are and not getting too distracted by the way they choose to communicate ideas and feelings. The next time someone shows their love for you, no matter how awkward it may sound, believe the feelings behind the words and maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. Always look for the flavor in life and meet me again next week for another tasty tale in Fable City Radio.